Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am a nutrition and exercise physiology professor, and I'm a bodybuilder. Hey, folks. Rob Fortes Fortney. I'm a powerlifter, former competitive bodybuilder, and former editor at Muscle Man International. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm an all-around handsome and great guy, uh, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and I run Strength Guild here in Topeka, Kansas. Um, joining us today, we have Marty Gallagher. We're going to talk to Marty here in a couple minutes, but just want to thank him for joining us. Um, Lonnie's got a bit of news, and uh, then we'll go from there. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to share some real quick listener news. We got a great email from uh, Stuart. Uh, he just says, thanks for the podcast. I live in Dubai, the United Arab Emirates, and we are starved for decent training and nutrition information out here. I've been listening to your show for a couple of months now and have learned a load of stuff already. The mix of science and the let's go lift attitude is pretty refreshing. And so he made a nice little donation. So thank you, Stuart. That's good stuff. Um, and you know actually some of the iTunes reviews we just I'll just read the last couple from November Um, also international uh, crowd this guy the first guy says uh, hey guys I just wanted to give a shout out from South Africa your podcast plays 24-7 in my vehicle and I actually cannot wait for a long road trip uh, being both entertained and educated well done guys keep up the strong work that's cool that's from Ruan Vorster um the next one says, experts, but still one of us. Great information from both scientific and in the trenches perspective. I learned something new, or I'm reminded of something important every week. Uh, it's kept me humbled and motivated. Despite the host levels of experience in the iron world, I still feel like they're one of us. The guests are always entertaining and full of in- important information, all of them. I often listen to the podcast multiple times. Many thanks. So that's cool. That's Homer J., uh, November 5th. And then one more. This one just says, Iron Radio is legit. This is by Scotty Kahn's. Uh, I've listened to almost all the top fitness, nutrition, weightlifting, and other podcasts. Iron Radio is one of the best. The information is spot on and adequate for those interested in the science. The discussion about pure iron sport and other aspects of sport are entertaining, and each host brings a specific demeanor and specialty to the table. Last and most important, Iron Radio is great for those, those of us already in the gym and who need some immediate inspiration to go hit it hard. So, yeah. I'm in- I'm impressed. Thank you, everybody. And I'm impressed. No one called us old this time. So normally we get called old. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> we get called the old guys a lot. But, uh, so I just had one bit of news I wanted to shoot out there. Um, I'm, I'm doing a, my gym is doing a fundraiser for Toys for Tots. So we have some, some clothing and stuff that we're selling. And the price includes shipping and it also includes, uh, $5 from every item goes to Toys for Tots. It gives kids some money for Christmas. So, um, you can go on the Iron Rated Listeners page, um, my page. It's all over Facebook. So uh, get on there and, and buy one thing. If not, Rob will come like chew your face off or something. It'll zombie apocalypse. Yeah, I get a little hungry. Yeah. So um, now let's get to it. Um, I, I just I want to give Marty a lot of time to talk here. So Marty, thanks for doing this again. Good afternoon. Um, for those who don't know, Marty's kind of the the go-to guy. He was the the man um, as a handler in powerlifting in its heyday, and 
you know, wrote recently, what, it's been a couple years, your book, The Purposeful Primitive, came out, which I have to say is probably, it's definitely in the top two or three of, of anything I've read that has to do with uh, strength training. So, um, everybody... Thank you, thank yeah, you, thank if, you. If people haven't read it, they need to. So, we want to bring you on and uh, talk some shop about everything you've uh-huh. seen and uh, who you've been around. Um, it's been a long road. <laughs> How did you get I started? Figuring, I was figuring on it the other day. Uh, I started I started weight training in 1961, so it's 51 years. Hey, man, we don't have a lot of people that beat beat our uh, timeline on here, so yeah, congrats, <laughs> right on. You're like up there in the age of Bill Pearl. We had him on. He probably he has you for a few years, but uh, yeah, Bill's Bill Pearl. <laughs> Bill's 20 years older than me almost yeah. to the day. So, however good Bill's doing, I know I've got another 20. There you go. So, how'd you get started as um, handling all these, the greats in powerlifting? I broke my leg in 1983, which uh, ended my big-time powerlifting aspirations. I had been up to around an 840 squat, 740 dead. Uh, 200 kilo bench and snapped my lower left leg in a freak freak accident and uh, so as a result of that I got into coaching because I was out I was completely sidelined for best part of three years and and during that time I trained at Mark Chalet's gym so naturally I, I started handling Mark at the national level meets, and that was back in the day when there was only one national and one world championships. Typically, the nationals would be at one of Larry Pacifico's incredible Dayton Convention Center National Powerlifting Championships, which is like a three-day power woodstock. Incredible. That was back in the days when you'd actually see it on TV, huh? Yeah, ABC, (laughs) Wild World of Sports. Yeah. Yeah, we had we had a TV contract. Um, we were rolling strong. It looked like we were going places. And then, uh, you know, it, uh, we turned into the Tower of Babel. You know the story of the Tower of Babel, right? Everybody started speaking different languages. We splintered off into a thousand federations and lost our focus, lost our TV contract. Now uh, everybody's a world champion. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I'm the world champion of Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm the world champion of Texas. Yeah. It's epidemic. Everybody's a world champion. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, I know. Back in the day, being a national champion meant something. There was only one of those a year per weight class. Yeah, and that's a big thing. I mean, it's, uh, luckily, I mean, the, the closest thing you can come to it, at least powerlifting watch now, they've, they've gone and, like, found the, all-time world record holders, and you, you notice a lot of them still are back from the 80s. If you yeah, really get the down to the bolts. you yeah. betcha. Yeah. So nobody's out be... pulling. Nobody's out pulling Lamar Gant. Yeah. Uh, nobody's out pulling Dan Austin. Uh, nobody's out pulling Vincent Nello or Jim Cash or Ed Cohn mm-hmm. or Kaz or Chalet or Danny Wobler. No modern lifters are equaling those lifters. In the deadlift, in the equipment amped up squat and bench, oh shit, you, you know, yeah, you bet. No problem. But not in the yeah. deadlift. Yeah. 
So um, what's up with that? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you got even got John Cook stuff like that. You know? Yeah, Cook. Yeah. yeah. So what's up with um, that? Yeah. Uh, what do you think? While we're we're already on that topic, I mean, is there a way out of it? Is there? Are we too far far out? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Way out there's no, no way out of it because it's all it's all um, it's all moneyed up. Everybody's yeah. got a little fiefdom, yeah. making a little bit of scratch, <clears throat> and they're not going to give that up. Yeah. So you have a thousand federations. And I think it was indicative of the the health of the sport when the magazine went out of business. Yeah. Right? Yeah. PLUSA goes out of business <laughs> after, yeah. what, 40 years? Yeah. Sorry, lack of interest. It's wow. pretty sad. Man, we used to fill the Dayton Convention Center. Yeah. 4,000 people. Imagine. Yeah. Going crazy seeing, oh, you know, John Gamble. Kazmar, Larry Kidney, uh, Chalet, Ed Cohn, Doug Furness, all in the same competition. Joe Ladnier, Lamar Gant, right? That's, yep. that, no. that list right there, if, if, even, if even half of those guys were in the same meet, man, for somebody like yeah. me or Phil, to be able yeah. to sit there and watch that, that would have been, like, amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we stayed at a hotel connected by a skywalk to the convention center that served a $12 lobster buffet on Saturday and Sunday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. Now you go to a, a Worlds and there's like one or two big lifters and then a bunch of, well, just like anybody can sign up lifters. And the right. audience consists of girlfriends and training partners. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And everybody sets a world record. Right. Everybody gets a everybody gets a participation trophy. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's but imagine and Larry, Larry, you'd go to a Larry meet. He'd have Klaus, the funky organ player, playing between attempts. This blind organ player from Germany that he flew in because he heard the guy play at a Munich World Championship, and the guy played soul music in between attempts at a national championships. Uh, it's crazy. He had. A hot buffet table set up on one side of the auditorium where you could get beer for a buck a bottle. <laughs> Watching the national championships. Yeah. Two days. I'm telling you, it was like Woodstock. It was fantastic. Then it fell apart. Yeah. The wheels came off. And now we're in the, the downward spiral, which I'm not <laughs> sure can get any deeper. But, um, okay, any lifters today then that are uh, impressing you that you've seen? I don't see any new lifters, you know. I'm off the scene. I don't, um, uh, you know, the, the USAPL, I, you know, I haven't, you know, I don't get to their meets. I did, um, about the only top lifter I had contact with on, well, that's not really true. I, I had, um, contact with Brad Gillingham. Uh, he and I did a special operations military seminar for five days couple months back um brad's incredible 46 years old pulling 900 benching six raw just amazing did you see that um that one gentleman just uh, i think it was only a week or two ago almost uh was going to beat mendelssohn's bench raw record yeah, yeah. Missed it. and he failed though didn't he yeah. he missed seven twelve 
Yeah, just narrowly missed it. Yeah, because there's, there's actually a video on YouTube of him a month or so prior doing. I think it was seven oh five. You got to remember. You got to remember Hollywood Henderson bench seven hundred raw like seventeen times in competition. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. just owned it. The yeah. guy was such a beast. There's no one that compares to Henderson. He was never pushed. Imagine this. The guy would sit and jive in the audience. They'd call his attempt, 660. He'd get up out of the audience, walk up to the stage, take his track uniform off, lay down, and without a warm-up, pause bench 660, <laughs> then, jump, then jump to 683, then do 704, and then say, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Give me my trophy, and goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, Mendelssohn's 715. When did he do that, Phil? That was, like, what, seven years ago or something? Did you yeah. see the lift? Did it look there a little touch and go to you? Yeah, well, there was absolutely no pause on that. And yeah. actually, well, I'm, Okay, well, if you see a Hollywood Henderson bench, it's IPF. You pause the weight. Yeah. And it's not a problem for him. Yeah. You know, he's just such a bench animal. Have you guys <laughs> ever met him in person? No. He's huge. I would imagine. The only guy that I've seen that is as big in the upper body as him was, was O.D. Wilson. Oh, okay, yeah, another gigantic beast, yeah. O.D. was a monster, 420. Yeah, no, I, 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 we've discussed this on the show before, the whole thing with the 715 that Mendelssohn did, and uh, I actually spoke with Cone at one point about it because, of course, he was call, calling it. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, I said, I said, hey, man, I said, you know, 715, whatever, right? That's an amazing lift. I said, but technically speaking, I said, that's not really much of a pause going on there. And he said, and his response to me was, hey, man, I was just, I was just scared shitless. For him. <laughs> I, was I was with Betty for five days down at Mark Ripito's um, in, uh, when, what the hell is this? This is November, I guess in September. And uh, it said, I got so excited. He said, I called it up too quick. He said, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, yeah, that is exciting stuff. No, I'm not taking anything away from Mendelssohn. It's a hell of a lift. But yeah. uh, Hollywood, just you should do this stuff just year in, year out, six years in a row. National world champion, yawning all the way. Right? He's beating guys wearing shirts raw. How old is he? How old is he? I love that. Yeah. How old is he now? Oh, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't talked to him in ten years. I don't think. If he hadn't, he got his knees blown out in college football. Uh, if he hadn't done that, I think he would have been better than Kaz. Wow. I think his squat. I think his deadlift would have been nine fifty. Yeah. Just such a beast. He had well, the physical. I'm sorry. Kaz walked away a little early, too, and started concentrating on the strongman and stuff like that. Well, when Kaz blew that bicep on that rebar bend on his head, that's really when his career, that was the peak of his of his all-time yeah. best. Yeah, most people say the same thing. I've heard that so many times that when he, when he did that. I think he that, would say it. Yeah, yeah. What was his best bench? His best bench was, what, 660, I think? 660, raw. Yeah. Again, with a long pause. Yeah. And if you see the lift, it's just done easy. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean. And, so and, and after squatting 920. Right. Okay, these single lift specialists, uh, that's another thing, man. Yeah. Like, it's, try comparing 900 pound Ed Cone deadlift that weighing 219 after he squatted 960. Mm hmm. 
Okay. No, and you know what? That's a lot of thing that a lot of people who are new to the sport don't really consider when they look at the specialists. They don't realize that, you know, because they'll they'll you know kind of, kind of uh, sneer a little bit at some of the numbers that you see that are you know uh, you know not dramatically you know right. subpar, but. And you say, well, hey, this was a three-week lift. You know, this guy was, had already, you know, like, if it's a bench, right? Yeah, he had already squatted, right, eight, 9,000 pounds. And, you know, if it was, you know, if it was deadlift, you know, the guy's already done two lifts before that. So, Danny Robler squatted 960 before he deadlifted 900 yeah. Yeah. in 1983. Yeah, no, it's okay. crazy. Okay. So, so what do you think it is? 1983. Do you think it's a lot of it? Do you think... What do you think it is? Because we've actually on the show many the times. The gear is not the guy. The, you look at the physiques of the guys of yesteryear. Yeah. They're, excuse me, I almost cussed. They're animals. Yeah. Campbell, Cas, Cash, Pacifico, Chalet, Kirk. I mean, Furness, Ed. You look at these guys. They're muscle monsters. Yeah. Right. The modern guys are not. It's because the gear is taking so much of the. Of the weight. Well, yes. Yeah, In the old days, we bore the weight. Right. Well, yeah. A lot of I mean, there's there's damn stupid bench shirts that we used to wear. I mean, we'd struggle to get those stupid things on, and they give us thirty pounds. Yeah. No big deal. Thirty. No, pounds. no, yeah, it's a huge difference. I mean, like, I I've told it on here before that uh, you know I was in a meet and I don't I was opening it probably close to six, and some kid was opening at seven fifteen. Yeah. And I was like. What's your best? And he was he was equipped. Yeah. I was like, "What's your best raw squat?" And he said, "Well, I've hit four or five in the gym once." Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's open yeah. with seven fifteen. I was yeah. like, Whoa. "That's right." He's yeah. opening with seven fifteen, and yeah. he's using a monolift, yeah. and he's going down to six inches above parallel, and he's going to get three white lights, and that's a bad message. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's, that's exactly why. I mean, I, I I love your book that came out and having you on here because all these people are learning now nowadays. Everybody that has a that's put up a total. Is put out an ebook, and there's 10 million of them, and they're not looking at these older people that were actually doing this stuff and doing it right. And you know, stuff like your book and some of the articles you put out. Um, you know, people like your article on on Doug Furness. I'm, I'm looking at it right here in front of me. Yeah. And you know, the guy was a freak. And, what, and a he, you know, what a man! What a man! M A N, all capital letters. <laughs> nice man. Yeah. Unbelievable athlete. Everything he did, rodeo, high school football, all state, all state championship team, college, NCAA, junior college, national champions. You oh, think, him and, you think him and his brother of... both. Him and his brother both go to Tennessee. They start. The team includes Willie Galt and Reggie White. Okay, he goes to the Broncos. Chronic hamstring pull. He's out. Goes into powerlifting for four and a half years, rips that world apart, then goes to professional wrestling. Yeah. Boom. It's just not a problem. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you think the fact that a lot of the guys today are, like, I mean, obviously it's lost me about, you know, how a lot of the, the different iron disciplines have become more and more specific, and that's, you know, a lot of people talk about how that's lent so much advantage towards each one being better and better and better. But do you think, in a lot of ways, that maybe that might be actually backfiring in a lot of ways? Because Who's you're, better? I'm sorry? Who's better? Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm kind of leading to. And we've, How do you define better? Right. We, we, we've, just, we've touched upon this many times. We've talked about, you know, Phil and I have really riffed on this whole idea that, <clears throat> you know, I mean, when you really look at human strength and, and you take away, yes. again, 
all the that's what it's about. Yeah, you take Human all the strength. Yeah, when you take all, all the attributes of the of the, the support gear and so forth, human strength has really not improved that that tr- terribly dramatically. Thirty or 40, no, last thirty we're four years. Out. Yeah. yeah, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> as a species, yeah. as a species, we're done, boys. You yeah. look at the Olympic lift records. You know, Tarantenko's mm-hmm. five eighty six clean and jerk record has stood since nineteen eighty three. Yeah, we're yeah. done. Nobody's touched cone stuff. Yeah. Kirk's record has stood for 17 years. What's up with that? Yeah. And when you see a deadlift record broken now, when it rarely does happen, it's by like... A one-lift specialist. Or or it's beaten by a kilo. Right, or a (laughs) one-lift specialist. Yeah, yeah. Not lifting in a power meet, not having 700 pounds. You know, Kirk deadlifted eight and a quarter. And deadlifted 800 for a triple, but the best he could ever do in competition after squatting a thousand was 770. Yeah, yeah. That really hurt oh, him. That's, yeah, that oh, yeah. could have done an 850 deadlift yeah. Yeah. if he'd been allowed to, to go into deadlift specialization contest. But yeah. we that we wouldn't even think of that. That's not to us. We'd go. That's not powerlifting. Exactly. That's something else. Exactly. And power lifters. And we that's do why, all three, and we take our lumps because we're not. Nobody's good at all three. Yeah. And that's, we I don't mean, that's chew exactly it. the reasoning behind what I'm. I mean, I've got a bum hip, but I still can't pull myself to go and do like push pull. It's like it's not powerlifting. I'll go in yeah, there. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> we're tortured. We're tortured by our <laughs> morals. Yeah, but I mean, it's it, it means something. <laughs> I mean, if I were to go, you know, my all-time goal. If if everything, if the stars align correctly, I would love to get up. And challenge, you know, John Cook's 856. Oh, yeah, and, no you know, kidding, me too. That'd be great. I, 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 I've been, you know, my best has been like 804. That I just <laughs> what was your body weight? Uh, about 260. That's great. Yeah. So I'm, you know, it, that, but, you know, I, it definitely be something I, I got to squat first. You know, it doesn't count unless I squat first. Well, you know. The big, the big, uh, the big thing that we stress, and is if you look at any of the real world record, Cuck would actually be the technical exception because even though he was a great deadlifter, he had very poor technique. But if yeah. you look at any of the master technicians, what you will see is that they break the bar from the floor using leg power, preserving the hip hinge until the bar is about six inches off the floor. At that point, they engage the hip hinge. And they have a nice smooth finish. Bad deadlifters trade hard starts. Well, they'll take the they'll take the easy start f- for the difficult finish. Mm-hmm. We take the hard start and return for the easy finish. Yeah. That's, right? that's really actually in- interesting. I never really thought of it that way. We love the vertical shin, the vertical torso. The only thing that moves to break the bar is the femurs. Boom, straight up, leg power. If you can't break it from the floor using leg power, your legs are not strong enough. You've got to work your legs. Hmm. You know what? That's, that's, up. You know what, listeners? That's a heck of a tip. Take that. There you <laughs> Cause, go. Because I've often thought of things like that as far as, like, you know, it's very fashionable right now to set your hips high and use the hip hinge. The deadlift is a hip hinge exercise. There's, there's no, that's not true. If you look at the elite, the Lamars, the Cones, 
all, all the top guys, the, the warblers, the, the guys who really pull the big weights, they break the weight from the floor with the legs. Cock would be an exception. There's, there's always exceptions, guys who have bad techniques who can pull world record lifts. But if you study the true masters, Inaba, another one, um, Jim Cash, great technical deadlifter, a little bit wide in his setup, but other than that, he was beautiful deadlifter. And these guys' deadlifts have not been exceeded to this day. Yeah. And in a way, the, the, the way you're kind of describing the deadlift, it might actually look less than textbook in the, in the manner in which you're doing it, but it actually does kind of... When you think of those names that you just said, for anybody out there who kind of is familiar with those lifters and has maybe seen video or whatnot of, you know, sequence pictures of those guys deadlifting, it actually does follow exactly kind of what you're saying. Well, yeah, it's, that's the commonality that you 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 attain when you observe the very best up close and personal. I used to coach these guys at the meets that they lifted in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm there chalking up with them. I'm there as they walk out on the platform. I'm the guy they're coming to me and say, how'd it look? What do I take on my next attempt? Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, you don't know, uh, you don't know pressure until Ed Cohn walks off the stage and says, I don't want to know what you're picking for my next attempt. You pick it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Right? And you yeah. got six months of work on the line. Yeah. And he just opened with whatever nine thirty. Now, now, yeah, walk up there. What are you going to pick? You going to pick nine sixty? Going to pick nine seventy? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's putting a lot of pressure. Certainly, right. putting a lot of trust into you. You know what I mean? Because wow. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like whoa. It's like somebody help me here. Yeah. Oh, but, I mean, I you know I say it time and time again. I mean, I I'm a lifter, but I'm also a coach, and I'd rather I'm more nervous coaching people. Than I am me. If I screw my own meet up, right? Eh, you no, know, it's my fault. If I screw right. up for that other guy, it's like, oh crap. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I can totally yeah. see that for sure, man. I, I don't, I don't know if I would be cut out for for coaching for exactly that reason because I don't know if I would want to. You know, I, I've always thought to myself, like you're saying, Phil. I mean, you know, if I screw up and I put pick something wrong, whatever, right? I, I can deal with that, but I mean. Uh, yeah, you screw somebody else's out of me. You're, you're thinking to myself, you know, my, I'm the well, guy for the next if, like. If you're really coaching, it's all pretty much math. <clears throat> it's it really is not. I mean, it's just like okay, um, what was your best triple in training? Okay, oh, six fifty. All right, what do you want to open with? Oh, seven twenty two. Ah, that sounds a little high. I think we're going to open with six eighty three. Okay, this is the coach talking to the athlete. Okay, you give me the first. I'd, let me pick the first two. You get to pick the third. All right, there you go. <laughs> Boom, off we go, right? Uh, but I worked with Blacks at the Nationals for five years, and I worked with Sean Scully at the Worlds. And, you know, we won. We won everywhere. We won five national championships. We won in Oribro in 91. Uh, we won the Oribro World Championships in '91 on the first day. Our, our guys from 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 123 to 165 locked the worlds up for us on day one. It's just like boom, 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 boom. Okay, you guys fight it out for second. Yeah. Let's uh. Powerhouse let's, man. 
let's shift gears a, a bit and talk about a sport that does have kind of a strong footing, but is is equally screwed up here in America, at least. Uh, <laughs> Olympic weightlifting. Mm. I yeah, love Olympic what? weightlifting. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I, I love it as well. I but love you know, it. the state of the state of lifting in the USA um, is is a bit hard to love. Do, do you guys know my my uh, my Texas brother Mark Ripitel? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm good friends with Mark. Yeah. All right. Well, you, that's the guy you need to talk to on this question. Now, there's a guy who who'll light it up. He's he's really wired into the Olympic weightlifting scene. I am not. Um, I did it as a kid, um, and when I came up, of course, the press was still in, and honestly, we lost American interest when they when they dropped the press although it was Hoffman actually said it right um, he was kind of uh, Bob Hoffman was was wishy-washy about powerlifting initially he thought it it might end up sucking off all the best talent from Olympic lifting turns out he was right and it helped between that and the abolition of the press in 1972 that was pretty much the end of, of Olympic lifting in the United States. Not that it was ever, hey, you know, when the York guys were hitting it hard in 68, 69, with, when Bill Starr was still there, we were about the third best team in the world. We were coming on strong. We really were ready to turn a corner. And um, Bed, the era of Bednarski and Pickett and Doobie and Gripaldi and Bill, Bill March and Tony Gersey and... and, and uh, Enrique Hernandez, all those guys, Fred Lowe, Russ Nip, world record holder in the press. Um, that was really the high watermark of American lifting, and since then it's been, been pretty much downhill. In fact, I think this last year they were talking about sending more coaches than athletes. Yeah. To the, yeah. To the Olympic. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure they probably did. Um, would you say that, I mean, a big part of it is, could be attributed to. I mean, here in other places, you got China, Russia. Now, what's the topic here? Olympic lifting. The Olympic lifting. Okay. Yeah. Would you Would you say that? I mean, a big part of it, I I think, would be the fact that, you know, our genetic freaks go to the NFL. They go to the yes, NBA. Indeed they, they go do. To, you know, and if you're in China or if you're in Russia, you know, there's no there's no big man sports. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be paid and you're gonna get a living to to lift. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There, there's no, uh, there's no rugby. The big man can make big money in rugby and American football. A little bit in basketball. They're getting beefier and beefier up there in yeah. the NBA. Um, but past that, it's tough sledding for a big man. You know. Yeah. Uh, so I agree. I agree with you that that those those countries, in particular the Bulgarias and these mm-hmm. these kind of really. Uh, pr- pr- primitive cultures that are looking for sort of splinter sports to shine in. Um, you know, I think that 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 part of it is legitimate. But in this country, Amer- uh, Olympic lifting is like I don't know, like uh, what field? Uh, not even as popular as field hockey, right? I mean, yeah. this is this is like practiced by. It's, I don't know. Is there a thousand registered lifters in the country? Yeah, I don't know. Probably something like that. Yeah, that's pretty oh. pathetic. Yep, and I, I remember in 1965, the Soviet Union had 10,000 registered lifters, Olympic weightlifters, in the 242-pound class. Wow. 
Right. Because there was there was something that came out. I forgot. China has some umpteen times many yeah. Olympic coaches than we do lifters. Yeah, you know, coaches. <laughs> yeah, coaches. And think of what a magnificent pile to pick from. Yeah. We have millions. We pick from millions. You pick from hundreds. You pick from tens, really, because you can look at the the, the thousand and pick out the the ten or fifteen guys that really got something going on, and check them out. But you know, compared internationally, hell, you know that they have a there's the um, the Russian woman snatched three oh eight at one sixty five. Yeah, yeah, no, that was amazing. That. To watch that, yeah. A woman snatched 308 at 165. In 1965, Victor Kurenstoff set the men's 165 record at 303. Yeah. In 2012, we have a woman at 165 snatching 308. And that was an amazing fight watching that one. Those two girls uh, bounce between each other. <sighs> what happened? I, did, I missed the Olympics, so what happened? Who won? Um, the the gal that left Russia, well, she got kicked off the Russian team. And yep, went to, you, you that's her. Yeah, that's the three hundred eight um, snatcher. Yes, her and her teammate. Um, they both she like Uzbekistan or someplace. Yeah, she came out of the snatch one kilo behind. So they huh. came into the clean and jerk. Do you, and, remember, do you remember the poundage? Oh God, I can look it up. No, um, okay, that's all right. They came into the it clean wasn't and anywhere jerk. near three hundred eight, was it? Yeah, I don't think so, no. Right. Um, but they came into the clean and jerk, and so she was a kilo behind. She opened one, she went ahead and called her opener one kilo over her former Russian teammate. But every single clean and jerk attempt for both of them was a new record. Right. And they, they all hit all three, and she beat her by, she weighed a pound lighter at the end of the, the day. The, the world record holding 308 pound girl. Yes. She yes. won. She Do you won. remember what the clean and jerk was? No, it was a. See, that would be like burning in my brain. I would think like what? I'm thinking like uh, two sixty three and three fifty two. Okay, geez. That's an educated Marty guess there. Okay, well, we'll see how good you are. <laughs> I should be able to get this pretty quick. I don't remember what it was, but it was. Wow, well, uh, you work in that, and somebody else asked an intelligent yeah, question. Exactly. <laughs> there you go, Rob. Ask a question. I'm going to find this. Oh, geez, a question. I don't know. Um, how's your training like these days? Me, I'm um, smart. I train smart. I just do. Uh, I don't even think about what I'm going to do before I walk into the gym, and then I walk in there and whatever hits my fancy right at that time, I do that lift, and I do it in a certain way with a lot of technical precision. I'm sort of into this strategy as I'm, since I'm old now of making lightweights heavy. Okay, yeah. Yep. And I do that by using really exaggerated and extended ranges of motion combined with pauses. Yeah. And a lot of different stances and a lot of different grip widths in the different core exercises. I train in an unheated garage today. I did my, uh, my oh, I guess you call it a 70-degree incline press workout in my garage gym, and it was 30 degrees. Mm -hmm. How old are you now, man? I'm 62. 
Now, I'm a social security recipient. <laughs> no, I'm asking that for a reason. You make lighter weights feel heavier, and of course, yeah. we, that's kind of a, a bodybuilding kind of way of doing things. But I mean, how, yeah, how, would you, how would you say your kind of your grinding strength has been uh, maintained over the years? Do you think you? Oh, you, it hadn't. I'm, I'm a hell of a lot weaker than I was, you know, in my 40s or in my 20s. But it's okay because in relation to my age group, I'm still King Kong. You're oh, a beast, yeah. <laughs> right? And that's, that's okay. You see, if I, if I get into that mindset where I want to compete with the 40-year-olds, that's where the injuries occur. Yeah. Because you know what? I ain't 40. Right? Yeah. Now, uh, for 62... Uh, I'm at the top of the curve, right? But that's okay. I need to stay stay in that world, right? That's, I have friends who refuse to, that are my age, that go, oh, man, if I can't squat 800, I don't even feel like doing it anymore. And it's like, you know what? You are so stupid. <laughs> and, and, you know, and of course, they keep their big eating habits, Right. right, they yeah. like that part. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, then they drop all exercise, and they're like, uh, you know, they just turn into big lard asses. And they're like, squatting eight hundred every time they get off the couch. Then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and you know it's pretty damn sad to see. And we got a lot of guys that are that are strength athletes that are dying early. Here, I got the clean and jerk. Three fifty four point two pounds. Oh, uh, what did Marty say? Three fifty two. Yeah. Uh huh. We right in there. Snatch. So. Uh, 130 kilos. Oh, equal 286. Oh, I was off. I said 263. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I nailed the clean and jerk. Yeah. So, and the the other girl, she total she hit an Olympic world record of 131 kilos in the snatch, and then got beat by the by one kilo in the clean and jerk. So they yeah, tied. Can you imagine, the, boys? These are girls. These are yeah. women, and they're snatching 286 and clean and jerking 350. Yeah. Weighing uh, under 165 pounds. Yeah, 100. These are big girls now. I mean, they're you know they're sweating down a little bit. But I mean, but that is just that's amazing. Again, in 1965 at the United States National Championships. Well, let me see. Fred Lowe would be the man. Fred would have been doing about yeah, he would have been doing about a 285 snatch, a little more in the clean and jerk, maybe 375 clean and jerk as the <laughs> middleweight, 165-pound national Olympic lift champion. So these girls are snatching big. They're a little behind in the clean and jerk, but, I mean, this is just incredible. Uh, they're, apparently the female strength curve has a lot of lift left. The men's strength curve is played out. Whether you look mm -hmm. at the Olympic lifts, the power lifts, you look at track and field, uh, all the best track and field records boys were set many, many years ago. Yeah. Okay, what's what's up with that? Well, I think that all the drugs have been used, all the methods have been tried, mm -hmm. all the genetics have been found, and it's just like you know what? This is kind of as good as it's going to get. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name? Usain Bolt. I mean, he's he's a big damn deal, but he only lowered Ben Johnson's record. You know, I mean, I mean, these are hundreds of a second. It's yeah. not like yeah. Not like he dropped it by three quarters of a second or anything, or a, se or a full second. Yeah. And it's just we're we're done for as a species. This is this is about as good as it's going to get. And that's what I was getting at with the powerlifting thing. When you see a record actually get beat under the same conditions, it's by a half a kilo. 
You know, you don't see somebody. I haven't seen anybody do it. Have you? Oh yeah, that too. I'm I'm serious. I haven't. I've seen some of these Russian guys, uh, like do some raw lifts, but you know their squats are very high. Yeah. You know, in the IPF, it used to be very, very clear on squat depth, and and I love this. It, It the it goes like this. It goes if the squat is not unquestionably below parallel fail it. If it's in the gray zone, fail it. If it's high, fail it. Your initial impulse has to be that it's unquestionably below parallel, period. Go with your first instinct, toss the light, red or white. I love that. Well, now you're seeing it. Like you said, there's money in the game now. And I've seen it more than one time at meets where you have a big name come in, and they squat five inches high, and it's good lift. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, um, there's a, a lot of federations that are hoping, well, we need a we need a 1,000 pounds squatter, so we got to pass this. Yeah. And that's just. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, that's the opposite of what you're saying, the whole thing, I've heard many times say the whole thing that, like you're saying, you know, if it's in question, turn it down. Fail it. Well, I've heard the other way a lot of times. Of course you have, like, because that's what they want. They yeah. want their gray zone lifts passed. Why? Yeah, right. Because yeah. if you get into the gray zone, where does the gray zone end? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I know of a particular ex-training partner of mine who started a, an entire federation because he was so pissed off because his high squats were failed and the equally high squats of a competitor were passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My contention is, is if both the boys had been made to squat below parallel, then we would have seen what was up. Yeah, and that's where, you know, the politics and the money came into it. It's simple. Squats need to be below parallel. Throw away the stupid bench shirts. Get rid of the monolift. We don't need those. Those are clown tools. Please, just just throw them away. This whole idea about the monolift being for safety, that presupposes that there was some epidemic of walkout-related injuries in the squat, which there never was. Mm Hmm. That's a good okay, point so too. don't throw that in my face. Oh, the monolift is all about safety. No, it's not. Well, I'll it, tell you if there were, what, hundreds of walkout injuries in the squat. No, the walkout injuries in the squat came <laughs> from guys who squatted high in training, got to a competition, got their first two squats turned down, had to get down below parallel, and all their ligaments and tendons blew. Yeah. <laughs> As, as well as we've talked about many times on the show, obviously with the ultra ultra wide stances, which of course lend themselves perfectly to these shallow squats that we're talking about. I mean, yeah, those you don't stand, have to get those... a parallel. I mean, if you know that ahead of time, it's like, well, you change your whole game. Yeah, because you can't get into those kind of ultra wide stances without a monolift. Because by the time you walk, walked out, you know, if you if you have eight nine thousand pounds in your back, and you, you by the time you got out to that stance, why are we using a monolift? Yeah. Why a monolift? Because it allows you to handle more weight. This also the same reason there's no down signal. You just, as soon as they undo the, it, a lot of these lifts, it's, it seems like the hardest part is breaking the poundage from the monolift. Once they're able to finally break it and they get the, the uh, stanchions away, then they get the momentum and then they get the, the rebound and the energy buildup from the canvas suit. 
and the predator that they wear underneath and the knee wraps and the belt and the whole thing and it's this compressed energy thing mm -hmm. and you can really move some poundage mm -hmm. it's amazing but you know what the human body is not designed to handle 1200 pounds in a below parallel no equipment squat here's a question for you we were talking about age a minute ago <laughs> am I putting you boys to sleep no, no, this is good stuff. I, I think it's exactly no, wait, what the listeners want to hear. No, that's why I'm just kind of shutting up as much. Uh, we were talking about age a minute ago, and I want to hit this before before I lose it out of my mind. Um, what would you say, all the people that you you handled, Mark, Ed, Kirk, Doug, uh, what age what age range were they in when they were in, in their prime? Oh, uh, the 30s. Okay. They're, they're old enough to have all that empirical knowledge, and they've got 10 years under their belt. Mm -hmm. You know, of hard training, so they're men. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, they're not, they don't have all the, the little boy magic and unicorn thoughts that they have when they go to their first national championships. <laughs> unicorn it's, Yeah, yeah, it's everybody. When, they, when, when you take the kids to the nationals, they're like, oh, I can't believe I'm with my, with my idols. And it's like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. And after about three times of <clears throat> getting their faces slapped, then they then they yeah. get in the game, and all of a sudden you've got a got a real contender, and there's nothing like it. Yeah. So where then does a submasters 35 and over class come from? It's <laughs> <laughs> what the hell kind of question is that? That's a crazy question. What? <laughs> No, it's just uh, what is it's something I've argued for a Usually it's, you know, what I've argued is usually you're you're in your 30s, mid, late 30s, even pushing 40 when you're really getting as strong as you're going to be. Exactly. Because it takes years to get there. So oh, why oh, well, we if have... you want the answer, it's because it creates another money-creating <laughs> division. Yeah. With a $50 entry fee, and you've got to join the organization for, what, 30 or something to get your card. And then, you know, so it's, yeah, absolutely. And then in addition to being 35 and older, you can be in police and fire. And what else? Um, must be some other division we can get into. We need to have it so you leave with three trophies, a regional, a national, and a world championships, bench only, uh, lifetime drug-free raw, yeah. And thirty-five to forty over six foot. If you wanted to get collect even you know just more trophies, you could enter like bench only, push pull, and full meet. Yes. So you can just collect plus the age group. Right yeah, plus the age and group. the lifetime. Yeah. Right. How satisfying. I've never even right. shaken hands with someone who's taken drugs. <laughs> oh. Hey, I've got one question for you. So. For our young listeners out there who might be, you know, they're hearing some somewhat jaded talk, I guess, about how men have peaked out and we got nowhere to go. We, we were <laughs> how do they, done how do the young guys, what, what do you suggest for the young guys then? How do they stay motivated or, you Get know, back what, to what's... basics that they never learned to begin with. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, <clears throat> buy my damn book for starters, Purposeful Primitive at, uh, dragondoor.com and, it's just old school techniques and tactics and just do the, you know, the core four 
get really good at squats and bench presses and deadlifts and overhead presses and throw in some arm work and, you know, not a lot else. And, you know, be an athlete. Don't just be a slug. And, and you know, you can eat organic and eat cheap. You just go to the farmer's markets. We're real big in, into that. You know, I live in the country, and we've got a rural lifestyle, and it's, uh, you know, ch- uh, eggs from the chickens, and not our chickens, but, you know, from local farmers. And yeah. I just picked up a uh, a lamb today that uh, the guy cut up for me, and I've got all these beautiful pieces of an entire lamb that I'll you know, make in all these different ways. And, you know, we've got just... Uh, Good, healthy eating combined with hard training. Do some cardio, please. Um, the cardiovascular system needs to be worked, particularly for you big guys. Uh, you can't just, you know, sit around and assume that that cardiopulmonary system is going to be working at peak efficiency. You've got to, even if it's just a power walk, a big guy, a 250-pound guy, if he just power walks as fast as he can, he'll generate an 80% of his age-related heart rate max. Yeah, we've talked That's about that. That's good exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Lonnie actually, actually talks about that quite a bit. How you know, at a certain size, you you know, a person becomes yeah. his own training implement, right, Lonnie? Right. Uh, yeah. Dorian Dorian Yates gave me that one. He said, "Ah, Marty." He said, "You know," he said, "When I'm 300." He says, I walk my dogs around the block and hit eighty-five percent. Yeah, that's that's plenty. Yeah, exactly. Oh, good stuff. No, yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, that's exactly why I moved and got a farm in Kansas from California. You know, I've got chickens and five acres, and yeah, I can get deer off my own property. Right, right, (laughs) right, 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 right. Now, do you have? uh, Do you have? You got to work a day job? Oh yeah, but it's all here at home. Good. So, good. Good, good. And where are you located? I'm in Topeka, Kansas. Oh, the, Kansas, yeah, yep, yep, uh, yep. So, I'm uh I'm in the Catoctin Mountains outside of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. I look out my front uh window and I look at the mountain that Camp David is on, the presidential retreat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that's cool. where I have my shop set up. I was in D C for three years. Graduate school. I drove a lot. I was in. Uh, oh, I went to American University for graduate school. Okay. So and I drove a lot through Pennsylvania, driving back here. Uh, well, I worked at uh, Dupont Circle for 15 years. I worked for the Washington Post for 10 years. So you know, I was in Northwest DC all the time. For uh, my wife and I retired and came up here. I'm glad I'm away from there. So yeah, we. Uh, I kind of lived a. Uh, my boys call me the fitness monk. Yeah. You know what, though? I'll tell you, a lot of our guests, uh, they have sort of a message of simplicity, manhood yes. and simplicity. And yeah. the listeners keep saying, I love to you know, hear all these guys with this common theme. You know, the best yeah. guys in the world, they all, they're, they're doing things like butchering lambs and eating, you know, yeah. whole foods and just lifting <laughs> heavy, yeah. you know, yeah. trying, to, trying to be right. men, you know. These, we are the alpha males. Well, this is just uh, uh, this is the natural natural way of a natural man. I mean, we, you know, if you're a big guy, you lift heavy objects and eat gourmet organic food that you can prepare yourself because you know your way around the kitchen. Um, 
you know, and we just we just live that life. Uh, I'm lucky enough that my crazed universe, I I just sit in front of a computer, jot down whatever comes into my head, send it off in a, an email attachment, and somebody sends me a check. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Especially when, you know, you're, a lot of the messages, like we were saying, are simplicity. You know, eat yeah. big, lift big, be big, yeah. you know, things like this. <laughs> eat clean, though. You know, I mean, get, we're not fat phobics. We're, we're really yeah. not. We're not saints. We we have a drink occasionally. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Yeah. We're, yeah. we're not. This is not uh, a monastery. Um, we're humans, um, and it's it's a good it's a good life. Uh, the 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 training part is loops right back around to all the basic roots stuff that I learned from John McCollum and. My first mentor was Hugh Cassidy, who was the first super heavyweight world powerlifting champion. And I sort of grew up, and it was, uh, I was thinking about Somebody suggested this to me the other day. They said, you know, Marty, you kind of grew up in like the equivalent of the Gracie clan in jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surrounded by regional, national, world champion athletes from at a very, very young age and it was very formative on me my father was a widower so i was kind of a lone wolf kind of kid and i fell in with grown men lifters um serious dudes at a very young age and you know by the time i was 14 i'd won a senior men's regional championship by the time i was 17 i'd won a national olympic lifting championship Uh, i set national records in the snatch in the uh, the press and very very young and it's it's been uh, you know the Hindus have a saying that the happiest man connects the morning of his life with the evening of his life and not out of guess yet but uh, it's been a good run to this point would you now that we, we just talked about that I mean wouldn't you say that finding that group was probably the best thing that happened to your lifting finding a group of like-minded men yes. just lifted heavy things. Yes, I, 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 yes, absolutely. It, it, it short-circuited my learning curve by light years, right? Well, I didn't you know what? To waste if, my let me, let me ask going down stupid, stupid dead ends. Do you think these kinds of groups still exist with all the fracturing and all the everybody's a champion and all that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's. Um, uh, I think that in one sense we kind of know the answer to that, and I think the answer to that is no, because no one is there's no one that's coming forward that's exceeding what has been done. I want to see someone beat Ed Cohn's deadlift record at 220. I want to, see, uh, you know, and again that record was, and I coached Ed when he did this, and again after squatting 960, benching 560 raw. He deadlifted 900, 901 on a second attempt and actually tried 920 on a third. He had dead stop doubled 900 in training. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think so you, he you, were actually there, you were actually there for that lift, eh? I coached him. That's I was his coach at that competition. Because I've said to many people, and, and I mean, I know obviously this different, uh, everybody has their own opinions, but that to me is if the, one of, if not the most, 
freakish lifts when you take it, you know, everything considered. It's just, that's unreal. In terms of differentiation between himself and his competitors, he was 14% of the rest, the head of the rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, 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 there's no comparison to it in any other sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's just such a, and, and it, and I'm telling you, the guys that he was competing, was a good group of guys too. Uh, in the 220-pound class, when Ed posted 2,400, in around 2,100, you had Joe Ladmere, Fred Hatfield, Jim Cash. I mean, you, these are the Pacifico. You had immortal, all-time great guys in the 220-pound class, and the best they could come up with was that 2060 to 2100 range. I think I think Ladmere might have got to 2104, and then here comes Cone. 2400. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh my God, is this guy Mars? (laughs) (laughs) Clean lifts? Yeah. He he doubled 550 in the bench in a t shirt. It's just like. It's outrageous. Right? I mean, he was our Michael Jordan. (laughs) That's actually how I refer to Ed Cohen a lot to people who don't know him. Like, he was. Powerlifters at Michael Jordan, yeah. yeah. I think so. I don't think there's anybody that can compare to him. I mean, people say, well, Kaz was great. And I said, yeah, but you know what? Kaz only totaled 24-25. Ed did more than that at 242. Although, I tell you, I think Ed was a better lifter at 220 than at 242. Uh, Ed lost his ability to sumo. He had a, a groin injury that forced him to give up the sumo deadlift and had that not happened I'm pretty sure he would have pulled 950 in a competition well, I hate 20. to do it I hate to do it but we're out of time <laughs> we ran out much quicker than I thought we're going to have to have one the other one this is, this is a lot of fun well, no um, problem, boys. Want, thanks for driving where, by where can everybody find your book where's the best place to go oh, uh, dragondoor.com or amazon I would prefer Dragon Door because I get a slightly bigger percentage. There you go. <laughs> no problem. That. You'll have yeah, many at some point in the future, boys. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. It's yeah, like totally. having your wacky uncle you keep locked up in the attic over, right? <laughs> <laughs> many less on. curse words than than Mark Ripta, so that's good stuff. <laughs> Mark, we can't keep Mark clean. I think he's he's drinking scotch while he's while he's on the show. Oh with us. no. Well, See, I've been drinking yeah. wine the whole time. There you go. That's good stuff. <laughs> All right, boys. Talk to you later. Have a good day. Later. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press... Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein. You can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes. 
everything on the safety of high protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state of the art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I have done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what a, perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.